Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Exciting episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts with Tom Erch Jr., uh, who will speak after me, and me, Mike Murphy. I introduced you first there, Tom. That's called that's called class. Um, Tom, we have a lot to talk about. Hockey news has happened. A lot of hockey news has happened, and in a way, it's good news, and in a way, it's also good to say that we were wrong in the sense that I think before the season, you ask, are the Rangers a playoff team? What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. And we said no. Yeah. But, but they're, they're a playoff team. Uh, I know playoffs is a definition that's kind of loose right now with the NHL trying to call it a 24-team format. Um, But yeah, the Rangers are going to be playing meaningful hockey games at some point in the next few months. When that is, who's to say? Yeah, who's to say? That's the big thing here is everyone's really excited that we had these major developments, not only with uh, the NHL kind of finalizing what the 2020 playoffs would look like. A couple of obvious, well, not obvious, but things that are important to get out of the way. The regular season is officially over. It's done. Um, and what the NHL and the PA work together um, to do, and the only teams to vote against it were Tampa Bay and Carolina, correct, Tom? That is correct. And the idea here being you got a 24-team playoff where, uh, based on where teams ranked in terms of winning percentage, we're going to have the teams that were in the top tier have a kind of a round-robin thing or a battle to figure out the playoff seating for them. And then you're going to have, I've seen initially, I thought it was only going to be best of five, but I think Tavares was quoted recently saying after Gary Bettman's, uh, uh, you know, news conference through his webcam, which he had a lot of trouble operating on the Tim and Sid show, God bless him, um, (laughs) that we're going to have, it could be seven, it could be five games. Either, Either way, Tom, we know that the Rangers, like you said, are indeed a playoff team, but, you know, it just, it took the fact that there's 24 playoff teams to make them a playoff team. But never mind that, but they also, Tom, 
could get the first overall pick. That is true, and it's it's interesting because there's a lot of math involved, and a lot would have to go right. I know that um, Hockey Stat Miner had a couple of dis- different scenarios in what the Rangers' odds of X, Y, and Z were happening, like a 1 in 7,000 chance or a 1 in you know, 70,000. I forget what the exact number was, but a lot of it hinges on the fact that the Rangers have their own first and also the Brady Shea trade. And it's not just the Brady Shea trade. It's the fact that the Hurricanes and the Toronto Maple Leafs made a trade last offseason with Patrick Marlowe for the purposes of uh, Carolina to buy him out. So there's a lot of different scenarios and a lot of them sort of hinge on the initial first draw. Because the way it's set up is that while it's 24-team format, the seven teams who are not going forward, they're going to have the same odds as if the regular season continued out. So there's the possibility that they hold the first draw and the Detroit Red Wings, who were by far one of the worst teams in recent memory. I think their winning percentage was uh, similar to that of um, the Atlanta Thrashers going back almost 20 years. It was um, pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. And then you have the Senators, who they didn't play well, and they also have the Sharks' first overall, uh, first-round pick. So there's a chance, and it would be pretty hilarious if the Rangers were to eliminate Carolina if the Leafs were to lose in the first round and the bingo ball that pops up uh, works in the Rangers' favor um, and, and being, uh, you know, the the pick that they acquired in the Shea trade. So um, for all, all the details, I would suggest reading what's been put out there. I know that... Um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, ineffective math on Twitter. Um, at, you know, hockeyviz.com. He has all the the probabilities and all of that math. And okay, if this happens, that yeah, happens. So it's a, yeah, because it's a lot of math and it, it can really make your head spin. But um, I just wanted to know your thoughts, Mike, because obviously this is sort of there's a lot in the works, and this is all hypotheticals because the league is saying. We want to have a plan in place, and it all is contingent on what happens with the coronavirus and what happens with testing and all that stuff. So do you think that the league is sort of um, their plan is good? Do you think they came out with a plan too early? Just any thoughts that you have on the subject? I think... Well, really, I should point out, for the past several weeks, I've been saying, like, what good is a plan that's written in pencil, right? I kind of hated all the half-boiled schemes and all the theories and, like, I don't know, this is something we could do, we're talking about this, and the stories about all the things that could be done were getting to the point where it was overwhelming. Like, it was like, does any of this even matter, or is it all just chaff? And... I like, there's a lot I like and a lot I don't like about this. I like that 
the structure they've proposed is supported by the players, uh, the majority of them at least. It's interesting to me that, you know, when he was asked specifically, what about players who say, like, I'm not comfortable playing? Bettman said the plan is to take that on a, on a case-by-case basis, but um, if the league feels it's safe to play, then they expect players to play. Um, and that, of course, is really tricky in all this time because, as we all know, players don't get paid for the playoffs. It's not the way their contracts work. Um, so that is really like a, huh, well, damn. Um, but we also know, like, all these other details, like, you know, 28 skaters and then as many goalies as you want. Um, mm-hmm. And all these other details. But the thing that surprises me maybe the most, Tom, because I don't understand the... Uh, why would you paint towards the corner knowing that you might get painted into a corner sort of a thing? Mm-hmm. With Bettman just saying, like, we can push back next season as far as we need to. He even joked, like, we could start it with a Winter Classic in January. And... I don't know. I'm of I'm of the opinion that you might. And he, the other thing is, is he said that while also saying we expect the full 82 game season. And to me, that's like wow. Like that is that's kind of a bold claim, <laughs> without knowing everything we need to know. But I, given what the model looks like, right? It's the two hub cities is the plan. It's playing in front of empty arenas. It's um, putting, you know, over a million dollars into testing and, you know, taking all these precautions and making it work. I think Vegas is a really good bet for where one of the hub cities will be. Um, Just because you have to look at things like hotel availability. Um, But also now there's some concerns about, you know, some... It wouldn't be surprising, even if things, you know, cross your fingers, knock on wood, pray that, you know, this coronavirus, the grip it has on the world is lessened. And, you know, we might see fewer and fewer states kind of stray from the path of what is deemed as the greater public good. But also we might have some states that are like they're cautious, like I think. We've seen a couple of examples so far of Canada and its provinces uh, being generally more cautious than the U.S. and state governors in terms of doing everything they can to control uh, the pandemic. But there's a lot that I like in terms of like, hey, this plan is pretty good. Like, I really like the what they're doing with the lottery. I understand, like, I feel bad for the Buffalo Sabres and all this because... I think they had a couple games in hand over Montreal and, you know, they're only two points behind them in the standings, I think. And, like, yeah, they were 68 68 points and Montreal had 71 points and Buffalo was two games behind. So if Buffalo won both of its games, you know, if the schedule was different, but then again, like, another part of this, obviously, like Bettman said, the fans won it. The players want it, the league wants it, and then, of course, the other thing is, like, the banks want it, right? Like, the checkbooks want this, the piggy banks want this. This is a way to salvage something, 
um, for the league as a business as, and the NHL as a business and these teams as a business. So um, there's a lot there. Do you like... Well, I guess I know I was all over the map there, but do you like it's the 24-team playoff format? So there there's a lot there's there's some things that i like there's some things that i don't like in general so i don't have a problem with the 24 team format because in the sense that you look at the nhl playoffs in in the context in context of sports and playoffs i would say that hockey is one that has more upsets and randomness than most because it's the nature of the game. You're playing on a slippery... Yeah. Hot goalies. Um, you're playing on a slippery ice surface where you have arenas where one weird bounce off a board or a stanchion can, can change the fate of a game. Also, the concept of penalties and power plays. Um, you can get a penalty at, at the right time and completely change the outcome of a game. So... By having this scenario where you're having these play-in games to round out the, the, the field, I don't really have a problem with that. This is a one-time occurrence during a pandemic, so I'm not yeah. going to lose sleep over it. Um, I can understand why some teams feel it's not fair, like one through four, where they're going to be doing this round-robin uh mini tournament to determine seating but they're not really going to be playing as competitive games as say yeah. the Rangers or Carolina but again yeah it's funny because if anyone has a right to kind of be grumpy about this it's kind of those the better teams in the league right like I would understand why Boston and Tampa in particular like this is kind of garbage you know yeah. like, like especially like in, in the west like you know, you could say the same for St. Louis and Colorado, who finished on top of the West. But, like, if your games don't matter as much. Um, and I think the other thing that's really fascinating about all this is we've heard, what is it, like at least two weeks for a training camp? Because the other part of this was they wanted the training camp. So Yeah, so that part, there's going to be a training camp. How long is up in the air? I know that oh, okay. yeah. Donald Fear had, I think it was with... With someone, he had gave an interview saying that um, it's that's something that's still to be determined. Um, which, speaking of training camp, so even before we have this training camp, we're having the phase two, which is the informal workouts of no more than six people at a time. Um, yeah. I posted a little thing on, on banter about it um, the other day. So I would say the biggest problem I have and again, I understand that things need to get worked out, but the league is really asking a lot of the players and it's really putting a lot in the hands of the players when it comes to self-diagnosis, uh, monitoring symptoms accordingly, being truthful and how you're feeling and all of that. And the reason I bring it up is we see time and time again, players who play with concussions during the playoffs they play with broken bones they especially in the playoffs right yeah yeah i mean i think back to um the mumps outbreak and i think about 
how many times a year do we see four or five players from a team out with the flu? So I kind of want to, I'm kind of hesitant that they're going to do the right thing. And I would hope that they understand the severity of the situation, especially because engaging in this is going to give them access to tests which could be otherwise used by you know frontline workers and stuff so i am skeptical about that but i do think the timeline in theory it's sort of not having set dates is something that works to their advantage so that yeah that was smart yeah so that it's not we're doing this by july and then July comes and they don't do it, so then they look stupid. So there's yeah, this that. This is building. This is building the arc before the storm. But like, you know, it's you're saying like, we we have this ready when when it's time to go. Um, but I, you know what? I think you raised a good point, and I think it's it's healthy and important to be skeptical about players. I think particularly young players doing the right thing. Um, and you know, if you think of cases like. Like, how important, like, I mentioned it, I interjected, like, goalies in hockey. Like, you know, when you think about sports and the influence of a single player on the outcome of a game, you know, a lot of people will point to, you know, pitching in baseball and goaltending in hockey, but when it comes playoff time, you're starting goalies in every game. Your ace pitcher, you know, during the season, what is it, one out of every five, you know, and then in the playoffs... They could kind of go on short rest, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, for those special occasions where you really need your ace and or come in relief. Yeah. So, like, let's say it's you know, it's you know, it's Jordan Bennington who gets sick or he starts to feel under the weather. Like, is he is he going to be right on top of letting everyone know and knowing what it might mean to his team and. Uh, and the playoffs, and, like, I really hope it is, like, one of the first things, like, the first language the NHL used was, this is about, first and foremost, this is, we're going to make sure everyone is safe. And, like, I, like you, like, remember when we talked about how it's really hard to think of a worse breeding ground for transferring something like coronavirus than an NHL bench with the spitting and the fucking mouth guards falling out and like smelling salts rubbing it like like everything and I don't know it's I want very much for this to all be great because frankly like I was just happy like hey look there's there's news and positive news and like it kind of gave us something like a light at the end of the tunnel and that's a wonderful thing because I think a lot of people just need that in sports. We've, you know, now more than ever, I think everyone is learning just how valuable sports are as a distraction for so many of us. It's a great, and you know, not, not only people like you and I who depend on sports for part of, or if not all of how we make our living, but sports is, you know, it's a medicine, you know, it helps people. Um, and I would really hope that everything falls into place and you know hopefully no one gets sick and it doesn't impact anything and I don't know it's 
it's weird because we've also heard, you know, I think it was last week I mentioned, like, Matt Duchesne said, you know, this will be the COVID Cup no matter what. But, you know, this way teams are going to be playing, like, five rounds now. So it's going to be hard to win the Cup this year. And it's also going to be crazy as hell because because of this break, Tom, it's like everyone starts from zero, pretty much. I mean, it's harder if you're a team like the Rangers, but, like, I mean, we haven't even gotten into how fascinating it is that it's the Rangers in Carolina, like, in the wake of the Brady Shea trade, and, like, I've barely seen anyone talk about all that, which is, that in and of itself is a great story. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a team in the in the division that the Rangers don't have a rivalry with because, let's be honest, there are other teams the Rangers worry about who are closer in, you know, geographic proximity and Carolina is just not not on the docket in terms of rivalry. But hey, this could be the start of making this matchup even more interesting and exciting and yeah. I mean, I, I just, I'm glad there's something that it holds water. That's my thing. It holds water, but I do share your concerns. Because they're reasonable. It's the it's a skepticism that stems from like, yeah, uh, but I hope it ev- everything goes smoothly because there is a ton of potential for things to go awry, which I think is why the NHL is like, yeah, teams can carry as many goalies as they want, and you know they want to do everything they can to make it like we're dotting our eyes, we're crossing our t's. Yeah, and I hope it's abundantly clear. Um, I think that we've both maintained the same position in terms of return to play and all that stuff where it's at a time that's safe. It's a time that doesn't pose a um, major risk in, in all of those factors. Um, but that that being said, like with the assumption knowing that only want it to happen under the right circumstances, not taking away resources from... Um, otherwise needed things and, and all of those caveats I, I do say that it was very um, it was cool to have something formalized and start the wheels turning on what playoff hockey could look like and how unique a situation this is and how beneficial it could be for the Rangers for a number of reasons one of the more interesting things um, is that there, I think the number, it's going to be 28 skaters and then two goalies. So I wonder if in the case of the Rangers, they would do 27 skaters because they have three goalies um, for for a total of 30. But, I mean, you look look at the roster and they have a lot of decisions that they have to make and... We'll obviously get into this as it gets closer, but you're you're using this as an example to evaluate some of your players who are on the fringe, some of your young players to see how they they do with playoff hockey. Um, you could also use it to out- evaluate your defense. Is is it a situation of Stahl extending his career with the Rangers? Could it be his final series? What kind of money? They end up paying or not paying D'Angelo. Um, and also, some of the players who weren't on the um, main roster. And 
I know you and Shayna worked on something for Banter. Um, I think it was over the weekend that that it ran. So, of the players who are not on the current roster, who do you think are some of the more interesting ones who could be a part of this expanded roster? I think the big one that I think most people want to talk about just because it's the fun one to talk about, frankly, is uh, is craft stuff, right? It's like there's it wouldn't be surprising if you know you have Booney Evis and Stephen Fogarty and like uh, obviously Vinny Letary who has significant NHL experience. Like Shane and I looked at looked at it largely from who has had a good year and or who has potential um, in terms of they've played at the NHL level before. Someone like a veteran like Danny Regan. Uh, I mean, you know, Danny O'Regan. Um, and, you know, Tim Gettinger has a little bit of NHL experience. And then, like, you think about, you know, defenders, which is really ironic because you think about the organizational depth and then you think about the D that the Rangers have on the roster right now. Um, and it's like, all right, who's in Hartford you have? Rikov and you have Hayek and like Darren Radish, right? And Brandon Crawley, like because remember Joey Keane is gone, uh, you know, for for Gautier. So um, that's that's interesting to me that the the D looks pretty thin, but uh, I like potentially that it's it's interesting that there's a lot of those kind of uh, grinder guys like they could plug in, but. The guy who's the most fun to me, like a guy who, in this little mini training camp that we expect to happen, like, how great and fun would it be if Kravstov just blows the doors off of camp and just looks fantastic and oh, shows amazing chemistry with Panarin or, or Booch or whoever, really. And, like, not only that, but how great would it be for his confidence? The same is, like, I think the same applies to Capo Caco. This, this opportunity to like forget what happened everyone's confused everyone is a duck out of water or a fish out of water I mean right now with what's happening just go out there and play your game and I think a lot of those players who are just among the most naturally gifted like those guys who just have ridiculous talent like a guy like Austin Matthews who you watch him you know for for the entirety of the game and even during warm-ups you watch the little things he does with the puck and you're like oh yeah this guy just eats breathes and shits hockey right like he walks around with a hockey puck in his pants so I don't think he's going to have a hard time getting back into gear but it might not be as easy for everyone uh, but I, I think that the name to answer your question again is like it's to me it's Kravstov um and I, I always root for Boone Nieves, but I, I doubt he'll be a big factor here, um, especially because it looks like, you know, Gettinger might be a little more interesting specifically for playoff hockey because he's six foot six or whatever the hell he is. And then, I mean, Rikov missed time with his, uh, with his injury, but Rikov hasn't had a bad year from in terms of when he was actually playing um, in Hartford. So... I I would say it's it's really the two Russians is the guys I'm most intrigued by. So I have two questions for you. The first the first one's more of an easy one. The second one's more of a um 
just sort of like hypothetical. So the first one, you, you mentioned Kako. Now, I wonder what his limitations could be um, given that he's someone who is at risk, obviously, with um, diabetes. Because um, I know that Max Domi had, had said something um you know, and he's he's another player who who has diabetes. So, do you think it's possible that it's it's something that the Rangers would be worried about, or it's too soon to really start thinking about that? I think it's. I would be really, really, really surprised if they haven't already been talking to Capo about, and if there's anything the organization can do. Because mm-hmm. if you have diabetes, it's directly correlated to being immunocompromised. And when something like this is going on, and you have a young man like this who not only... Like, even if he was a, like a fifth or a sixth round pick, the right thing to do as an organization would be like, Hey, kid, this is going on in the world. You know, is there anything we can do? Any resources? Anything the organization can do? And if, frankly, if, if there's a conversation with... Capo, Kako, and and the Rangers in terms of like it's probably not great if you play. I really wouldn't be upset. <laughs> like I would be like, all right, it's a bummer, um, and it'll, it's probably a huge bummer for him. But you know, I'm sure it's a it's a like you said, like someone like Max Domi who has this, is in the same boat. It's it's not easy to make that call, like there's a higher risk for for you and yeah. that means a higher risk of you infecting people you care about and yada yada yeah because i saw him he if i think he either posted to his instagram or rangers reposted it but he kako was working out on the ice um with gargiev overseas so um it's it's looking like he he's wanting to stay as in good shape and um, as active as possible so that was something that I thought about so the other hypothetical and a lot of this hinges on the fact that hockey as we know it in other leagues could be delayed um, next season so I wonder if the Rangers would because like as you mentioned that list of defense in Hartford is pretty thin would they consider adding Matthew Robertson to their list because he signed his ELC and like he's one of the few players that theoretically would be able to join them like someone like Miller his entry level deal doesn't start until next season because the the thought process being he could play some games he could get some experience and then he's around the NHL club next year when we have no idea what junior hockey's going to look like next year or the AHL for that matter or is it something just not even worth it just you know leave him where he is i think i think every team the rangers included like the crazy thing is, as you know, like the playoffs are just, it's anything can goddamn happen. If they feel that, you know, 
making that move would help, then I don't see why you don't. It's the... It's tricky because it would be throwing a really young kid into, you know, the fire. But also, you know, like I... The thing is, if you look at the Rangers D right now, Tom, because um, like when I was putting together that article with Shana, like the Rangers only have six D on the active roster right now per cap friendly. And one of them is obviously Brendan Smith. And then, uh, you know, who was playing forward for a lot of the season... But after the Brady Shea trade, Smith has been back on the blue line, um, and then they're not even care They weren't even carrying a seventh D. So, like when you go into the playoffs, you kind of want to have a very good idea of having at least eight guys you feel comfortable enough playing. Uh, you know, in in a game, and I think they can feel pretty good about Rikov. I don't think they'd feel pretty good about Hayek, and then. It's like Darren Radish. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I've watched Wolfpack games, but I I couldn't tell you anything about Darren Radish other than uh, it was it was not a great idea. You know. Oh no, never mind. Darren Radish wasn't. I was just uh, I thought for half a second Darren Radish was who came back in the. Uh, the Ryan Graves trade, but that was that was Beagris. Chris Egress. That was yeah. Beagris, who the Rangers didn't qualify. Um, no, Darren Radish was who did who did we acquire Darren Radish for? Tom Radish. I know that was a trade with Chicago. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm checking right now because oh, Peter is. Holland. Oh, uh, Peter Holland. That's AHL a name I haven't superstar. thought about. Yeah, I haven't thought about Peter Holland. Good grief. AHL superstar Peter Holland. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm excited. I want. I would love for Kravtsov to hit out of the park. You know what else is gonna hit out of the park, Tom? This word from our sponsors. This ad. That's right. That's right. You sons of bitches. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just like that, we're back. Um, I think we. When I've much... had a long day, Tom, I like to rub insert product name on my sore joints and bones. Or when I'm, you know, not working and just relaxing, I like to listen to insert name of podcast that is being plugged. When I have a rash in an unmentionable place, and I have to quickly and discreetly apply it at the YMCA gym 
after I've played racquetball with my friends, I reach for a handy dandy tube of insert product. When I'm short on time, but really still need to eat, I open my freezer and get a meal kit from Insert Meal Prep Company. Yeah, it's a very good chance it's a meal prep company. Yeah, whether it's, um, although they're not sponsoring us, like, what is it like? It's like Blue Apron. It's like, uh, there's so many, like, that's the thing that I've realized lately. Like, just when you're looking at Facebook ads, how many different variations of the same product that there are, whether it's like meal prep, um, whether it's like, I don't know if it's just because like I'm, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff with, with social media, but I feel like I've seen all of these ads for like, oh, we can help make your videos look better with like this, this easy trick. And it's like, we have all of these presets and you just drag and drop and make your amateur video look professional or, oh, if you want to like make a website, you can use these like free assets. And it's like, normally you pay, you know, X for a, a thing, but we're giving you a lifetime subscription for, you know, $69 or something of that sort. But I don't know. It's completely random, has nothing to do with anything. Just on the top of my mind. I like I like Tom's thoughts. It gets the listeners closer to you, Tom. It lets them in your in your head and your heart. Yeah, I mean I'm trying trying to show that I I'm not super boring and you know You're not super boring. I was watching the the Disney Pixar movie up uh, this morning while I was doing some work, and I thought that I forget the the main character, the old man, when he's a little kid, he looks Carl like Fredrickson. Ba- yeah, Carl. He looks like a little baby Tom to me. So interestingly enough, um, when I was um, I sit in a different spot at work now, um, but when I was um, in the IT department I worked with with someone else and um, our desks were next to each other so I had um, did like some photoshops and like I made myself um, you know Carl from from up and then I made him Sully from Monsters Inc because his last name was Sullivan and then also um, from um, Dodgeball um, he he was um, what's his name um I'm blues. The two commentators. Um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to. I I was the the. Shit! I can't think of the actor's name. Um, oh, He's in the Ozarks and uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, so that was his character, and mine was um, the guy who's in Office Space. I like it. I'm just. That's just my way of telling you. Oh, Jason Bateman. Yes, there we go, Jason Bateman. Yeah, it's my way of saying you've got a you've got a square head, like Carl. Uh, that's fine. Uh, also, you look like the Averman kid from the Mighty Ducks when you grew up. Yeah, I mean we could talk about that too. I, if people didn't read it, I I mean I really liked your your recap of how the draft went down. It seemed like. You were a little angry, but that's okay. I was a little angry, Tom. Um, in the Marvel draft, Shayna sniped a few picks from me, but that was three people. I figured 
if it was just you and me, I wouldn't get boned quite as bad, but I forget, like, <laughs> our player pool was so small. Like, it was incredibly small in terms of viable options. And it's funny, while I was reading, writing the story, I made myself watch D3 because I knew I disliked Charlie Conway. And I had to remember why, and I was like, oh, because he turns into a whiny bitch in the third movie. Like, an irredeemably, and like, oh, eventually he learns to play two-way hockey. It's like, why does Charlie suddenly think he's a goal scorer? When did he get that? In, like, in the first movie, remember, everyone called him a spaz. Because whenever he had, like, a chance to score, he would blow it. I don't know. What, is because he scored on the penalty shot in the end of the first movie? Yeah, apparently. Then he's hot shit. His coach is banging his mom. Oh, Charlie. Why can't I find a Julie the Cat Gaffney Mighty Ducks jersey? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I feel like at some point there was someone who did like a run of a couple of them. Like they did like Conway, Banks. Um, you can find oh. Banks jerseys and like uh, Charlie Conway jerseys on eBay and shit, but you can't find a good... Julie the Cat Gaffney jersey. That makes me sad. Um, before, so, before we forget, there's another little bit of news. Or actually, two little bits of news, right? Yeah, so I was actually going to interrupt you because before we get no, to no, those, yeah. bit, those bits of news, because as I'm sc- scrolling Twitter, I see an article just dropped by Larry Brooks. Um, and interested if you want to talk about it. So the headline goes, Henrik Lundqvist deserves chance to reclaim Rangers throne for NHL playoffs with the concept being he's pretty much owned the Hurricanes over the last few years and I see like I caught a lot of flack well I don't say a lot maybe I'm being over dramatic but that's great out of yours I feel like it's not a controversial thing because here's the thing. I love Igor. I think he's great. I think he's going to be great. But he has not played a lot of hockey. And that's not a slight to him, nor is it a slight to say he shouldn't get a shot. But I feel like the Rangers, now that they're in the playoffs, they're going to do everything that they can to win. And I think that they'd have a really good shot. And I think given the uncertainty of how this is all going to shake out from a um, player preparedness standpoint, from a playing the same team multiple times, having the added stakes of um, elimination looming over you, I think this is a format that's best suited for Hank. And I understand, oh, you're not putting a player above the team Igor showed it was his time, so you you you, you dance with the one you, you brought to the party. Um, but I don't. I I think at the very least, Hank should be the backup. Where if if, if shit goes sideways with Igor, that it's it's Hank going in and, and, and not Gorgiev. I mean, I don't think that's an absurd thing. And um, as Larry points out, last year versus Carolina. Lundqvist, 2-1, 964 save percentage, 134 goals against. 
This year, 3 and 0, 947 save percentage, 2.33 goals against. So, at the age of 36 and 37, he's 5 and 1, 955 and 184 goals against. Um while the Rangers are getting outshot, outchanced, uh, and outpossessed. So, like, this is not him just taking advantage of a uh, a really good team in front of him. But, like, I didn't think it would be so controversial to, to, to say, have Hank start game one. If he loses, okay, you tried it. If you want to go to Igor then, fine. Do you think differently? No, I don't necessarily think differently. I just think that I frankly would go with the goalie who looks the sharpest out of camp. If that's if that's Hank, if it's Igor, if it's George, if it's Georgie, then I would go with that goalie. Um, and then you know, if it wasn't Hank, then I agree I would have Hank as the backup for sure. I also think if I had to pick one of them, even with the the year that Igor has had, I think I would go with Hank because it is the playoffs. Um, and, you know, if the Rangers lose that first game and, you know, Hank has an average game or worse, then I would go to Igor. Like, this is a weird, unprecedented time. And it's even more unique for the Rangers because their goalie, you know, trilogy, tri- triumvirate, uh, whatever you want to call it. And like, uh, I don't think there's, the good news is all the goalies are good, right? It's, you know, it's not like, oh, they'll be really screwed if they do this, that, or the other. But yeah, I, I, even if Hank's numbers were just like career average versus Carolina, I think you go with, Henrik Lundqvist in the in the playoffs is a very very good goalie, and Igor is great, but he might have, you know, just like any younger player, like it might be tougher for him to kind of get back into the swing of things, right? To some extent, it's hard. It's really hard to say because, like I said, it's all unprecedented. So. Uh, like Igor is, you know, I think it's not a shocking statement to say Igor is the better goalie right now at this stage of his career than Lundqvist is at his this stage of his career. But I like the idea that the Rangers have a lot of good options there. Um, Hank deserves the chance to earn that starting role in camp. I th- and to some extent, I also think it's really kind of his to give up because it's the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and also it gives him a potential situation to go out on top. Um, who's to say that he doesn't look at this as one final run with the Rangers and given all of the uncertainty in, in flat cap, he doesn't see a potential to sign somewhere else if bought out or if traded and he decides, um, you know, maybe he retires after this and he... He looks to, to go play with, with Joel. Um, I wouldn't rule that out, but obviously, who's to say? But it, it's still something uh, worth mentioning. Um, and while we're talking about uh, Swedish hockey players, 
we had a bit of news um, regarding Leah Sanderson. And I'm just pulling up uh, Adam's article just so I have everything um, correctly stated. So the, the gist of it was that Leah Sanderson's currently in talks to rejoin HV71 in Sweden for the 2021 season. Um, as everyone knows, Leah Sanderson did not make the Rangers um, out of uh, training camp, was with the Hartford Wolfpack. It was up and down, and then he eventually does leave the team under um, not uh, good good terms. And then there's all of the, the stories going out and mistreatment, and obviously it's been a, a pretty lengthy saga. But the Rangers have been trying to smooth things over. I know that like JD had talked with Leas, but um, it'll be interesting to see because I know there were also rumors going back regarding, I think it was um, Jesse Pugliarvi of the Edmonton Oilers. And if there could be a trade in the works that would see Anderson go back to Edmonton, but that sort of fizzled out. But um, it's interesting on the surface because he's had success playing in the league. It gives him an opportunity to show that he's still someone who can be a factor and maybe the relationship mends a little bit more. Or at the very least, if it's not something that can be amended with the Rangers, it gives them a... um, a situation to move him somewhere he can continue his career. Um, your thoughts, Mike? I like it. Like I, I know it's it was a good good scoop from Adam, and like if if that if that's what makes Leas the most comfortable, it's probably a good thing. And I know it's not this ideal situation with Leah Sanderson at this stage. It's never gonna get back to normalcy and as Adam mentioned and as you just mentioned like there's a very good chance the Rangers have already burnt this bridge um and now really all they can hope to do is have this prospect who is essentially just a trading asset develop and cultivate value uh by continuing to really show progress in the SHL which he did uh, you have to I mean you have to give it to Leas in terms of how rough things were going for him in the AHL and obviously with the Rangers and, you know, the way he parted ways with the team and then to have seven goals and five assists in 15 games with HV71. It's pretty good, Tom. Um, uh, I think what's best for Leas is really hard to say. What's best for the Rangers is to hand, continue to handle this with a lot of care. I I would hope that he doesn't rule out, uh, you know, playing for the Rangers. But it is it is important to keep in mind, like, he will be 22 in October. So the clock is ticking on him being remembered as a guy who has taken as the seventh overall pick a couple years ago. Like, at some point, it's the... Is this a 
guy who, like, whatever stage that was when Neil Yakupov, people stopped thinking of him as, you know, the guy who went where he went, and then they started thinking of him as, like, oh, he didn't live up to his potential. Um, to, which is why I think, in many ways, it's best for the Rangers to strike. If there's any heat on this iron, it's probably a good idea to make a, a deal. But um, you also don't want to give up someone like Leah Sanderson for nothing because you've already invested in him. Um, and there's a chance if you wait and you let him build up his confidence, continue to develop in Sweden, then not only might he get you more in a trade, but he also might work himself into being a player the Rangers organization can use in a position that looks like it could still very much be a position of need is down the middle. So um, it's it's interesting that he's leaning that way, but it makes sense, right? If I was him, I'd want to stay in fucking Sweden. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a spot where he's comfortable, close to home. Um, it's giving him an opportunity to sort of do things on his terms. Um, and it's, for now, with there's so much uncertainty... There, there's no real reason to make any long-term decision because, as we know, he could sign a deal with them and then the Rangers want to recall him. Um, and then if things don't work out, um, they proceed from there. But, um, yeah, it's not unexpected in, in my opinion. I feel like given the fact that we don't know what the offseason will look like. We don't know what free agency will look like. We don't know what trades will look like because of a flat cap that potentially it, it's something that all of this could be pushed to the back burner because you don't know how teams are going to react. And, and there's also the possibility, say, you do have a team with a cap crunch. Maybe you're willing to take a flyer on someone who has... Uh, a lower cap hit and, and is a, a potential boom or bust thing, but um, we'll certainly see with that. Um, one player that we can't really wait on is Nico Gross, who is set to um, by Monday at 5 p.m. So this is June 1st. If he has not signed um, with the Rangers, they would lose his, his rights. Um, he was a fourth rounder in, in 2018. And he's someone who, as Adam noted in his story, um, he's improved over the years since being drafted, but it's um, it's not something of note. Like he had 33 points this year, 14 of which came at even strength. Um, given the team's depth in terms of left-handed defenders, He's someone that falls down the this depth chart. So if he were to sign with them, it's sort of like, is he someone who's going to be for Hartford? Is he someone for the ECHL? But it, it's not like he's blown the doors off to the point where, oh man, they must sign Nico Gross. Yeah, and... Like, when the Rangers made this trade, a lot of people, myself included, were kind of surprised. Um, uh, you know, but the thing about Nico Gross is, like, Adam pointed out, like, yeah, he, his production has improved. Like, this year he had nine goals, um, which is, you know, previous season he had three. 
and he you know went up from 20 points to 33 points he also took less penalties which is a good a good sign um and you know he is he's a swiss player so he has had a spot on the uh the swiss junior team um but you know when it's a country like uh, switzerland you obviously have a if you're someone who goes in the nhl draft you have a very good chance of making those rosters but he was you know an assistant captain uh for the world juniors and you know uh, in this draft year he was the captain of the u18 team so this was a guy who was really intriguing but given what like what the the pipeline is just nico gross is not he's not a make or break decision for the rangers in terms of whether or not they sign him um it could really go either way uh i think the organization like in its prospect reports and stuff is has always kind of tried to shine a light on him a favorable light i should say and you know that that might mean something that might mean nothing but um i would lean towards the the rangers not signing him uh just because you know they want to make sure they have room not only in terms of keeping contracts in mind but also just you want to make sure you don't get too much clutter um in terms of what you're going to have in your farm system like you said you don't necessarily sign guys with the intention of filling your echl roster right yeah that is not what you do uh you know those are guys who are on you know one-way deals and you know that's where you send ty running if you know you discover he's just having you know a hell of a time in hartford and then uh you know Tyronning needs somewhere to play to get his game back, and he can't do it in the AHL, so you send him to the ECHL. Or if you have too many goalies um, in your pipeline, and someone's got a, you know, you can't have three goalies for your your AHL team. One of them will go down the ECHL to get to see pucks and get starts, so that he can develop. But yeah, Nico Gross is he's he was interesting to me, and then you know even even at the start of the season, he was someone I was trying to pay attention to. But, like, even, you know, a name you already mentioned, Tom, like, Matthew Robertson has really developed great since his draft. Like, his stock has gone up, and, you know, Nico Gross's stock has increased, but not in a way where, like, I shouldn't say it's increased. His, he's developed as a player, but not at the rate that would justify getting all excited about <laughs> I mean like even though Lieber Hayek is whatever Lieber Hayek's gonna be I still I don't I don't see why Nico Gross is the guy which is you know he was a fourth round pick so you know this isn't a huge opportunity missed and you know like I said it wasn't exactly a an obvious uh you know an obvious guy to sign you know who's in the fourth actually just so two days ago his first choice is to go play in switzerland uh for evie's zug i just saw so if he you know it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what they do but also you know it it might make very very little impact on the big picture because it's like you said 
he would be at this rate like a guy who might be developing in Hartford for a couple of years, but also someone like him who is a member of like, you know, he could play pro hockey in Switzerland um, and make more. So that's probably what he would prefer to do. Yeah. So again, it's, it's something just to keep in mind um, as it comes up. So don't like freak out if they don't sign them. Don't freak out if they do, but just sort of a, a housekeeping thing there. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Mike? Or I don't know, buddy. We, it's it's really fun that we actually have hockey hockey to talk about, like real hockey news. Um, it's been a very fun couple of days because of that. And, you know, I know it's still at least, you know, it won't be until July at the earliest, but... Hang in there, everybody. We're going to get there. <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know, we're already pretty excited over a banter, thinking about, like, holy crap, we got, think like, I even said to the crew, like, when did we start a, you know, a, season, a series preview for Carolina's? And I was told to kind of pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit. But you know what? There's hockey to talk about. I don't have to write articles about drafting the Mighty Ducks. So, um, it's going to be fun. I- I'm looking forward to this being a fun thing to look forward to. And in the meantime, don't get distracted from doing the things you have to do, like washing your goddamn hands and not going uh, to the Ozarks and, uh, you know, going to public beaches and saying whatever to the six-foot rule and things like that. Be smart. People are dying. 100,000 people have died in this country. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly still a uh, tough time and and something we continue to be vigilant and get through it um as always thank you to our 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 patrons uh i'm gonna read the list now um i figured with hockey having a guideline to sort of return and, and and things in motion um we are gonna restart our our patreon um obviously if anyone you know needs to modify their subscription or cancel their subscription we obviously understand you you do what's best for you and if you get to a point where you can support us again further down the line that's great if not that's that's perfectly fine too um but here is our our lovely subscribers starting with a six foot gap at nahoic ian gaspar amarel kistner andre chicago andy white Ante Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Igor Zaflowski, James Dengels, Jeremy Busshold, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nick Antropov, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Weinholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Fent, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bialbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Eric Carlson, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you everyone for your, your continued support. Um, Next week, we will be back with, um, you know, bannering points and things of that nature. We figured there was so much news going on this week and uh, it's going to take a little bit to digest. So um, 
if you have questions on the format, if you have questions on the draft lottery, if you have questions on really just about anything within reason. On your 28 skaters, on on who to worry about in Carolina, like there's a lot to a lot to break down over the next, you know, at least month. It's going to be fun. There's, we have hockey to talk about, Tom. We don't know when exactly, Tom, but we do know it will be hockey. It will be hockey. And uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. We, we really appreciate your support. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody. Tom's having a good Yes, it is. Yeah.